Hello, hello everyone. Hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. I wanted to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to call today with a question or comment, the number here is 888-874-4888. Also, if you can use the listen live by phone number, and that is 1641-793-7091. If you would like to send me an email, here it is. Uh, my, num my email is peter18resnik at gmail.com. Peter, number one, number eight, R-E-Z-N-S-N-C-I-K at gmail.com. My son Aaron, who created my website, and slowly, that is because I am so slow at learning this stuff, teaches me how to use all the options it offers. Uh, he reminded me that a couple of months ago, we added a new feature to my website. If you go on my site, there is an option now uh, called PRN. And if you want, you can choose one of the topics that are there, if you click on PRN, or send a message and request a subject you would like me to discuss. But also there is a whole series of different subjects that I offer. You're welcome to go and check it out. Today I would like to start our show with uh, a little show and tell part. Uh, something I found on internet after I listened to Dr. Zelenko. If you remember, it's the man who cured COVID-19 uh, with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And in his last public appearance, he read a story written by a Hungarian writer and poet at mutato a leleknek. I hope I pronounce it correctly. Uh, uh, this writer wrote a short story, Do You Believe in Mother? In a mother's womb were two babies. One asked the other, Do you believe in, after, in life after delivery? The other replied, why, of course, there has to be something after delivery. Maybe we're here to prepare ourselves for what will be later. Nonsense, said the first. There is no life after delivery. What kind of life would that be? The second said, I don't know, but there will be more light than here. Maybe we'll be able to walk on our legs and eat from our mouths. Maybe we'll have other senses that we cannot understand now. The first replied, this is absurd. Walking is impossible and eating with our mouths, ridiculous. The umbilical cord supplies nutrition and everything we need. Because the umbilical cord is so short, life after delivery is logically impossible. The second baby insists, well, I think there is something, and maybe it's different than it's here. Maybe we won't need this physical cord anymore. 
the first replied, nonsense. And moreover, if there is life, then why has no one ever come back from there? Delivery is the end of life. And the life after delivery, there is nothing but darkness, silence, and oblivion. It delivers us nowhere. Well, I don't know, said the second, but certainly we'll meet the mother and she will take care of us. The first replied, mother, you actually believe in mother? That's laughable. If mother exists, then where is she now? The second said, she is all around us. We're surrounded by her. We are of her. It is in her that we live. Without her, this world would not and could not exist, said the first. Well, I don't see her. So it's only logical that she doesn't exist. To which the second replied, sometimes when you're in silence and focus and you really listen, you can perceive her presence. And you can hear her loving voice calling down from above. Isn't it a beautiful story? And what does that mother feel when her children are killing each other? Of course, mother is God. The same God who said to the Hebrew people, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Yes, I have to start today with the most burning issue of the day, the war. The war, I believe, between good and evil. Those who actually made up their minds will not be interested in hearing what I have to say. And you already know why I did not say the same regarding the war between Russia and Ukraine. I shared with you, ladies and gentlemen, the lines there are blurry. If anyone is interested, you can uh, write to me and we can have a separate talk at another time on that subject. But for now, it is the war in the Middle East. As I already said in the past, I believe I did here in the air. Money does not change people. Divorce does not change people. Alcohol does not change people. Winning a lottery does not change people. War does not change people. It simply reveals who they are. Congresswoman Rashida Talib is flying a Palestinian flag at the door of her office. She was asked by an interviewer by a journalist uh, way before Israel declared that there will be a war and that they will enter Gaza. She was asked if she condemned the beheading of Israeli children. She said nothing. Black Lives Matter started riots after one man, George Floyd, was murdered. But they're sympathetic with Hamas killing hundreds and hundreds of women, children, and old people. I said during the riots, the burning of the cities, 
that BLM did not care about black lives. Because if they did, they would not stop screaming, why are we killing each other? 95% of young black people are killed by young black people. I remember there was this homeless black man. They showed him on a number of times on the news a long time ago, three, four years ago. He had this big sign. He, he constructed from, I don't know, from cardboard, a little home for himself or shelter. And he held this big sign. Oh, yeah, it was just before elections of 2020. The sign was saying, vote Trump. He was shot dead by somebody driving by. That was also in the news, but there was not a word from BLM. Apparently only certain black lives matter, not all. How could they uh, care about Jewish lives? So Chicago BLM posted this infamous poster supporting Hamas with, the, with, with the, their power gliders going into the territories. And then they slaughtered hundreds of people. And the BLM National did not condemn BLM Chicago. Primo Levi, the Italian chemist and writer, wrote a long time ago, Monsters exist, but they are too few in number to be truly dangerous. More dangerous are the common men, the functionaries ready to believe and to act without asking questions. Once again, I went on CNN website and read there, Middle East on the verge of the abyss. Come on. UN warns as Gaza suffers and Israel prepares for offense. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let us look now at the situation in Israel. Most of my audience, most, not all, but most live in the United States. Some are from India, some from Europe, and some from Arab countries. Population of the United States is 340 million people. Population of India and China is now equal, 1.4 billion people. To every Israeli, there are 200 Chinese people or 200 Indian people. To every Israeli, there are 48 American people. So proportionately, the population, just imagine, proportionately to population in all these countries, Imagine that in one day, 67,000 Americans were butchered. If you are listening to me, uh, if you are from India, imagine 280,000 of Indian people, 280,000 Chinese people were butchered in one day, burned, tortured, raped, beheaded. So, dear United Nations, dear CNN, we are not on the verge of the abyss. We were thrown into the abyss. We are there right now. Not those who are dead. I believe those who 
are dead are in a good place now. But the abyss is for those who are left to grieve, knowing how their loved ones died. When 3,000, almost 3,000 people were killed in the United States on September 11, the United States went to, to war, supported by the world. Ladies and gentlemen, now, New York Times writes, Hamas, the Palestinian group that controlled the Gaza Strip, launched a surprise attack against Israel on October 7, prompting intense Israeli retaliation. A surprise attack? On who? And what happened? That's all that is written? A surprise attack? And then it goes on about suffering of people in Gaza. Please bear with me. And imagine, just that it came to me as an image. So I want you to, if you want, to participate, to join. Imagine you have your children with you. I don't know how many children you have. I have two children, thank God. And you happen to have a machine gun. And someone begins to shoot at you and your children, killing one of the children. And when you lift your weapon to shoot back, that someone is hiding behind a row of many of his children, covering himself with their bodies, and still shooting you at you. Are you not going to shoot and let your children die and you die? I would not. And the blood of the children of that someone and of my children are on his hands. Hamas hid their headquarters, their weapons, weapon storages, their rocket launchers, under the hospitals, under their schools. Even now, as their citizens are trying to leave northern Gaza, Hamas leaders are telling them to stay put, to serve them as human shields. The sad thing for me is that people I respect and admire but who, as far as I know, have never been to Israel, never experienced what it is to live under constant threat of terrorism, speak out with concern about the devastating humanitarian consequences of what is about to happen. Mike Adams, the health ranger, the creator of Brighton, uh, Brighton Network. I love it. I love people who speak on it. I read the headline on his page, Israel's war on Gaza and the global economic fallout. Israel's war on Gaza? It sounds like Israel started this terrible war attacking innocent civilians. I listened to an interview during which he was asked regarding what was happening in Israel. He answered that he was against any kind of violence, any kind of oppression, that though he is opposed to the terror that Hamas unleashed against innocent Israeli civilians, he was also against punishing innocent Palestinian civilians by cutting off water and electricity supplies. He was concerned about what he called carpet bombing. Man, are you kidding? What army in the world called people 
or texted them before they would bomb the houses so they would get out, out of their house. That's what Israelis do. It's only Israeli army that does it. Because under those houses, Hamas has their weapons. It is not carpet bombing. It is selective bombing to weed out Hamas. Israel did not occupy Gaza. Israeli forces moved out in 2005. And in 2007, Hamas was freely elected by the citizens of Gaza. In fact, they won, I believe, 47% against 41% against Fatah party. So they legitimately elected government. And these people who perpetrated these atrocities, they are not just a group of terrorists. They are legitimate military of the government of Gaza. Mike called Israel an occupying force. Billions of dollars were poured, poured into Gaza from many, many Arab countries. Did anything change in 16 years of self-governance? Hamas did not rebuild infrastructure, didn't build hospitals or schools. They did nothing for their people. During these 16 years, they did one thing only, build tunnels, send missiles into civilian areas of Israel. There are protests around the world right now. People are trying to stop the Israeli invasion in Gaza. Why is nobody calling Hamas to free the hostages? On Monday, uh, I, as most of the time on Mondays, I listen to Gary Nall. And I consider him as a friend. I spend time with him. He's a one really of wonderful people on earth. But he said that he, just like Mike Adams said, he was against all violence on either side, but then he played recordings, not by Israelis, but by a Palestinian representative who was talking about the Israeli occupation and who said that the slaughter of Israelis was all Israeli propaganda that Israeli people were impressed by Hamas fighters who were compassionate. That's when when they entered and killed hundreds of people during peace celebration in southern Israel. Yesterday I was listening to Gary's show at noon. He said that he invites people from both sides, notice, from both sides, to give his listeners, a better perspective about what's going on. He played an interview with the journalist, Max Blumenthal. He said that, uh, Max Blumenthal, he said that the Palestinians' people are dehumanized. So they dehumanize Israelis. Really? Palestinian children are taught in schools from the youngest age that the Jews are pigs, that they need to be exterminated. Seven, eight-year-old children 
are taught that the best thing they can do with their lives when they grow up is to become martyrs, to die while killing as many Jews as possible. Do you happen to know about this Max Blumenthal? He said that the Prime Minister Netanyahu is doing everything he can to get America into a war with Iran. Do you happen to know Max Blumenthal? You could hear about that even on liberal news channels, that the goal of Iran, just as his proxies, Hamas and Hezbollah, is extermination of Jews. Or like, like Rashida and, and, and Acacia Cortez uh, are singing the song from the river to the sea, throwing Israelis into the Mediterranean Sea. They are not interested in dealing with territorial issues, not religious issues, but extermination of Israel. Israel does not need America to fight its wars. Israel proved it can fight for itself. In the most difficult times, Israel was alone. Yes, some delivered weapons for them, but Israelis fought, died, and then, then, then Gary said that he had another person uh, to interview, Gabor Mate, a Hungarian-Canadian physician and author. Uh, well, I have to say I have nothing but I know nothing but good things about Dr. Mate. He has his views about the state of Israel and its history that I believe are one-sided, but he's entitled to his to have his opinion. My concern is that Gary promised to interview people from both sides of the spectrum and then ends up giving the floor to people who see Israel as an oppressor. What about the other side? And that he said uh, that Max Blumenthal represented the opinion of an average Jewish person in America. That is totally untrue. Totally untrue. Max Blumenthal represents himself and possibly a few people. I don't know why uh, they are such so committed to uh, dumping Israel into, into the hands of, of people who want to destroy Israel. I don't know why. But uh, I, I would like to, I like something that Gary shared with his audience though. And that was an idea proposed by Charles Eisenstein. Uh, and apparently Eisenstein is also uh, a journalist and um, I, I kind of think about, uh, considered this idea that Eisenstein has on, on uh, how to address the crisis. And he has several steps, a solution. Number one, 
immediate suspension of military operations on both sides. Number two, immediate suspension of the government of Gaza and West Bank and replacement of them with an international peacekeeping body that is authorized to use force if violence is perpetrated by any militant group against Israel. Number three, United Nations Security Council addressing the two-state solution. Number four, restoration of water, electricity, and food supply to Gaza. Unfortunately, this reasonable plan did not include the immediate return of hostages. But I personally do not believe that the leaders of Palestinian people are interested in giving up power, even if it would, ben if it would benefit their people in the long run. I want to take somebody's call now, and then I will continue. We have E from Edgewater. You're on the air, E. Hi. Hello, Dr. Wozniak. How are you? I am okay. How are you? I'm glad to hear you. Um, you I'm, have a I'm comment? Very bad, I'm in a very bad uh, condition because of the way the world is, and people are all being uh, misled by the devil. Okay? Do you think God made a mistake when he told us not to take from the tree of knowledge? Uh, yeah, uh, I have to say, I will address this. It's a very good question. And I know you brought it up a number of times. So, um, I, in fact, we are in our discussion on the Bible, we're just on that subject. If you bear with me, uh, in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I will be talking about it. Okay. Yes, but uh, how, could, how could I then respond to what you're saying? As I think that you are stuck in an illusion because you went to college. People that go to higher education get locked into a system, and they think it's a good system, and they're being tricked. You see? You are bringing up a very good point, actually. I already heard somebody else speak about it that colleges do mislead us, that secular education completely failed, failed people. I agree with you. Very well-educated German people started a horrific war that took lives of 60 million people. Uh, when we have secular education that does not include higher authority, it always leads to some kind of totalitarian system. I agree with you. Let, let, me, let me finish. Yes, yes, um, but when you say, uh, I just have a problem. When you say war and Gary says war and other people are saying war, this is what we're being told by the press. And we know the press is lying to us all the time because they're bought by the, the rich and powerful corrupt people that have been corrupted by the devil. So we are validating what they are telling us by Saying it's a war. It's not a war. It's it's a, a a abomination against the good people of the world are being killed for for just to exterminate us so that they can replace us with machines and then they won't have to pay us money and give us food and water and they'll be able to live in splendor on this planet 
with machines to serve them. And the only way that could happen is by getting us to go to college back in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s so that we could invent these machines that will take our place. You see how intricate it is. It's deeper than you think. And we're, we're being misled by the devil. And, and this is what I'm trying to get to. And it's hard to explain. But no, I understand. No, you're explaining it very well. And honestly, really, I sincerely tell you, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. What you are saying makes a lot of sense. A little, maybe we'll have a whole other talk at some point because you have good sense. Uh, I, I understand what you are saying. I hope our audience can understand also. But, you know, that's a, a big vision of life that you have a big understanding of whole life. But right now, I am trying to address something of immediate concern. You know, Arabs have a very good saying, trust in Allah, but don't forget to tie the camel to the tree, which means believe, have a big picture, rely on God, but address immediate concerns in the moment. So let me go back to, to yes. finishing okay. my, my talk, and then, and then I right. will... I get to this all right I, I i will do that i just want to let you know one thing because yes. you are so close to the situation because you're jewish and yes. and, and and you're supporting the jew israel this this gets you in deeper and you and you're neglecting to see the truth that it's not about israel and palestine and uh, ukraine and russia it's about rich people powerful people killing poor people and if you're taking the side like they want you to of Israel, you have to get that out of your head. It's not about that anymore. It's about good and evil. And that's yeah. all it is. And they've tricked yeah. us into making it into something else. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. You live in Edgewater. Nobody yeah. is bombing you. I don't know no. if you ever went through war. I know people who have relatives who died. This is an immediate moment. I understand that that uh, there, 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 there are issues about us being, being controlled or attempts to control and those ideas of global government. I totally agree with you. But right now, right now, still things to be, need to be addressed. We have to deal with the global government attempts. We have to deal with, with COVID-19. All this is true. I agree with you. But uh, and I'm not blind to the bigger picture. But right now, still, for example, if I don't drink water or my wonderful ginger tea, my throat will be dry and it will be difficult for me to talk. So we need to address first things first, and then address global issues. Let me take somebody else's call now, uh, uh, E, but thank you for calling, okay? Uh, Phil, now Phil from California, you're on the air. Hi, Dr. Resnick, uh, thank you for taking my call. Thanks for calling, I can hear you. Uh, so, I wanted to comment on, uh, you know, it kind of broke my heart to hear the way that you're talking because I admire you and your perspectives and your radio program. 
But what I'm hearing you do is to defend Israel, which is a colonizing entity. It's a colonizer. And they're supported by U.S. imperialism, which is probably one of the biggest problems on the planet because they're, the U.S. Uh, government is giving lots of money all the time to the government of Israel so that they can have weaponry, military, nuclear weapons, and this is all done as an occupying, colonizing force on occupied Palestine territory. Um, I never heard that Palestinians are indoctrinated to hate Israelis. I would like to see the evidence. I would like you to provide us a link or some kind of way that we can corroborate that fact claim. But, uh, you know, I was disappointed, uh, Dr. Resnick, to hear you speak this way because you didn't talk about Zionism or the fact that the Zionist uh, ideology has wanted to conquer a land to make their own nation for about 100 years. And there was peace. I mean, there was relative peace and harmony in Palestine with Christians, Arabs, and Muslims getting along until after World War II when that land was, uh, was given to the, to the Zionists to create Israel. So can you please respond to those concerns? Yes. First of all, thank you so much for calling. I appreciate you calling and sharing your opinion. Uh, it's a it's a huge you're bringing up a huge subject um, of legitimacy of Israel. You call it out. I'm sorry, uh, Phil. I hear some sounds like there is noise somewhere where you are. I'm outside, so it's windy, so I apologize. Uh, I guess I'll take my answer off the air. Uh, thank yeah, you. Oh, okay, okay. But, but thank you very much for bringing it up. Uh, I am glad you called. And I, I totally expected some people uh, have to have the same reaction. We come from different places. We have from come from different uh, sources that we, we draw from. We would have to, in fact, at some point when I was thinking about doing this, this particular show, I thought of addressing the whole issue of Israeli-Arab conflict historically. And I just started writing, which became almost an article. I wrote page after page. And then I said to myself, <laughs> who will want to listen? It will take, um, it will take a whole full show, if not more, just to, to, to go into history. Uh, so I decided not to, to do that. Uh, so, but, but if you want to, I, I can, but I think you are off the air, so I would like it to be a little more the dialogue, but, but still it would not, we would be exchanging with information coming from uh, two different sources. What you are saying, uh, books are written, volumes written on that subject, on the uh, Israeli oppression, and volumes are written on the subject of legitimacy of the 
Hebrew state. But what I agree with you on is uh, in the beginning of 20th century, there were approximately 600,000 uh, Bedouins, different kind of Arab tribes, people living in the, what is, was called Palestine. And there were approximately 600,000 Jews. Uh, and as pogroms, uh, atrocities happened in Russia and Ukraine and Eastern European countries against the Jews, many of them fled to the land of Israel or land of Palestine that they called then. Uh, and they were supported, these people were supported by wealthy Jewish people from European countries. Most of the land belonged to big landowners, uh, Arab landowners, the, the land which, we called, which was called Palestine. And it was desolate. As Mark Twain wrote when he traveled to the land of Israel, that it was absolutely desolate land that even an olive tree could not grow there. An olive tree usually grows anywhere. So as, as the Jews from Europe started moving in, they started building settlements. And most Arab countries were really suffering. There was no uh, need for oil at that time. So people, Arab people were absolutely uh, uh, poor. And as they heard about the Jews building settlements, they needed jobs and Jews gave them jobs. More and more people, a lot of Arabic people were uh, joining Jewish people in building Jewish settlements. They actually helped to build Jewish settlements. Towns were springing up. But all these people were coming from Syria, from Jordan, from uh, Egypt, from Iran, from Iraq. So more and more people um, were settled in that place because there was no such thing as Palestinian people. Uh, Phil, I want you to know, you can go on the internet and read about it. Romans, when they destroyed uh, the Second Temple, they sent out all the people of, not all, but majority of Jewish people uh, exiled them and um, they wanted to eliminate, like it was in the history, throughout history, eliminate the state, the country called uh, Israel or Judea completely. And so they called, they used the old uh, name from history because there were Philistines, which have nothing to do with what is called now Palestinian people, and they called that place Palestina. So, and then, as I said, all these people, well, Jewish people and Arabic people lived, and more and more Arabic people were coming to work to, to get jobs from uh, European settlers. By 1948, after the Holocaust, and I, one thing I would agree with you, Phil, uh, that 
logically, Israel shouldn't have existed, really. Israelites lost their land 2,000 years ago. This is it. Many people lost their lands and ceased to exist. But by some miracle, these people who had no army, no power, only the power of their beliefs and the power of their commitment to the Bible, they survived in all different countries in the world. And because they were persecuted, the United Nations made a decision to accept the, uh, that Jewish people from all over the world belonged somewhere in one place that they could uh, call their home. And so the home was uh, uh, chosen as their, um, their ancestral land, and that is the land which was called Palestine. Till 1960, people who lived in, uh, in that area, by, by till, yeah, pretty much, they were called Palestinians. So Jewish people were called Palestinians because it was Palestine, but till, till 1940, uh, till 940, nine, uh, 1948, they were called both Jewish people and Arabic people were called Palestinians because they were in the land of Palestine. So in 1948, uh, the, uh, the actually Jewish uh, organizations, what you call, it's true, Zionist organization, decided to declare independence, to become an independent state. It was a very, very small territory, uh, probably a third of what Israel is now, if not a fourth. And the United, on May 14th, the United States acknowledged and accepted uh, the new Israeli state, and a day or two after, the Soviet Union accepted this new state. And the same day, I believe it's even uh, next day or on May 14th, the United Armies of five states, surrounding states, Jordan, uh, Syria, Egypt, crossed the borders or for this newly created state and attacked the newly created Israel. And Israelis did, had just had militia, did not have a regular army. And they fought and they won. That's how. They are not occupying force. They won. They won the war and expanded their territory. It was a defensive war and they won the war. They expanded their territory. Then there was uh, Israel and then uh, it, every, there were at least, I think, seven wars. Each time, it was an attempt to destroy Israel. One time on Yom Kippur War in 1967, uh, Israel was attacked again. Syria was shooting, uh, um, not missiles, but cannons. They put uh, Golan Heights cannons, which were shooting down into Israel. Israelis defeated them and took over Golan Heights because it was a security threat for them. And so uh, when you say, Phil, that Israel is an occupying force, Israel is a country that was accepted by the United Nations. It's, it's a country that is prospering, that country that contributes to the world economy, inventions more than any other country, uh, proportionately, 
And in Israel, Arab people, there are 2 million people uh, who are Arab people. Most of them call themselves Palestinians. But as I said, there actually there is no such ethnicity uh, as Palestinians. Their, their ethnicity is Syrians, Jordanians, Egyptians. Yasser Arafat, the founder of PLO, was uh, an Egyptian. He went to Cairo University. So Israel is not occupying anyone's territory. Now you can say, what about what happened during uh, Israel when it was settling and what happened with, the, with many people who lived there? Some stayed became citizens of Israel, and by the way, Arab citizens um, enjoy more freedom than in any other Arab countries. And uh, Arab Palestinian, what you call, or Arab representatives are in the government, in Knesset, in the government of Israel. So they live much better quality of life than in, in most uh, Arabic countries, except those uh, Arabs who are rich, but most people are not. Now the big question is, what about people who live in Gaza and, uh, and West Bank? It's a huge problem. As I already said, uh, it was unsafe. The people of Gaza constantly, uh, whether it was government or uh, militia, was constantly attacking Israel. Uh, in 2007, a legitimate government was elected of Gaza. That government is called Hamas. Since then, over and over and over, they send rockets into Israel against civilian population. They, they received billions, I already said it, billions of dollars of help from Arab countries, and all they did, even the pipes, metal pipes that were meant for, for construction, they would make bombs out of them. So all they did, the, the Hamas government, is invested money in building tunnels to destroy Israel and not to help their own people. Nothing was done in 16 years. I'm, I'm so sorry that uh, people chose the government that is not really, doesn't have interest, the people's interest in their minds, but only to stay in power and to destroy another country. I believe Israel there to stay. I want to give you a little, just a little vision, because, uh, or, or address something that I think may be valuable. Why, one may ask, no Arab country opened their doors to Palestinian refugees? There are 290 or 300,000 million people now surrounding Israel. Israel is a small country. It's 9 million people, 2, two, two million uh, Arab people, and 7 million Jews. And they're surrounded by almost 300 million Arabs. So how come that, um, that Palestinian refugees are not welcomed? I tell you why. Little excourse in history. Half of Palestinians in, in the middle of 20th century, lived in Jordan in 19, till 1970. In 1970, those who called themselves Palestinians tried to overthrow 
their host, the King Hassan Hussein of Jordan, to take over the country. They were defeated. Over 5,000 Palestinians were killed, and the rest were thrown out of the country. But where would they go? Israel wouldn't accept them. Lebanon gave them a refuge. At that time, Lebanon in 1970 was like French Riviera in the Middle East. Beautiful, flourishing country, great universities, rich people from the all Islamic world send their children to Lebanon to study. In 1971, Lebanon accepted the Palestinians. Within a following decade, Palestinians attempted to take over the country, killing thousands of Christians. If you are interested, please read the book written by, not a Jew, by a Christian Lebanese, Bridget Gabriel. She wrote a book titled, Because They Hate. It will help you understand the whole conflict. Go on, you, on the YouTube. Uh, she has a lot of videos. She's an incredible, passionate speaker. So if you honestly are interested in the subject, there is a lot of information available. But I repeat, if someone wants to kill my family, it is my right and my responsibility to do all that is possible to protect them. So that's for now all that I wanted to say on the subject of politics. My God, it's 2.50. I, I, <laughs> I thought I would speak for half an hour, but we had a couple of callers. Uh, Phil, I, I hope, I hope, I, um, I respect your opinion. I'm not disappointed. You are disappointed by my opinion, but I'm not disappointed by your opinion because I'm sure you use sources and you're an intelligent person and you rely on those sources. But I rely on my sources. I'm not listening to uh, some radio station or television to be brainwashed. I went to Israel 15 times, one five, 15 times. I spend time with them. I know people. I speak with them. I have relatives. I know what's going on. So I live that experience of being there. I've seen people, uh, buildings destroyed by suicide bombers, and uh, it's all against um, civilians. All against civilians. And there will be no peace, as up. up I believe Abba Ibn, or maybe Golda Meir, said, peace will come when they love their children more than they hate the Jews. And this, this idea by uh, Eisenstein that I was just reading that Gary Noll posted, uh, uh, is not a bad idea. If, if uh, there would be a partner to discuss peace with Israel, Israel would be happy to have that partner and possibly even to have a two-state solution. In fact, two-state solution was almost agreed on and Yasser Arafat walked out on it. So that already happened. That already happened a couple of decades ago. So there are people who are not interested in peace. And right now, this all these things happen not because of the... Um, 
of the holy shrine that they're, they're concerned about. No. The Hamas used it just as a pretext to unite all Arabs, uh, all Muslims against Israel. No. They, they needed to attack because their goal is one, to destroy the state of Israel. So uh, you can read about history if you if you would like to. I, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to go back. Oh, yeah, I don't even, I don't have time to go back to the Bible, but I would like to try to answer questions. I received a lot of emails, um, very interesting emails. Let me try some. Uh, Judy asked, for example, a question. Why did God curse the family, the whole humanity for the mistake that Adam and Eve made? Uh, well, Judy, uh, if you think about Adam and Eve being progenitors of all qualities that human beings have, they were progenitors of doubt. We all are children of Adam and Eve. We all carry those qualities in ourselves. God said this and this will happen to you because they, imagine, they ingested the virus. They ingested that uh, they originated the doubt. They originated interest in not following the word of God. God wanted to create a perfect image of oneself. We spoke about it in my first talk about the Bible. God wanted to create a partner in his creative process, but a partner who would reflect God's intentions, and that is to create perfect balance in nature. Uh, the Talmud teaches that if they were to wait to, to stay within the order that God created, they would be, they would still uh, be permitted to eat from the tree of good knowledge of good and evil. But first, God wanted to, them to achieve perfect order, that is to control their impulses. And that's why he needed to give them a chance to and say, okay, don't do this, do this, do this, do this, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, and so on, but do not do this. You have to know how to control your impulses. And then the idea was he, if they would control their impulses, they would be permitted to eat from the tree of knowledge and become immortal. But because they fell, so to speak, they chose to break the order, God's order, and they tasted from the tree of good and evil, and now they were able to become like God, judges of what is good and what is not good. And they were not at the level of God. So if you permit, we have we witnessed what happened throughout history when men become God, when men take over. And that was not acceptable. And that's why we'll read uh, in the further chapters that God puts um, a cherubim or, or protector of the tree of knowledge so that now human beings with their doubt 
with the breaking of the order would not become immortal because that's then then it's making immortal our doubt we did not live up to the time to to the level of consciousness where we don't have doubt where we're listening only to god so for as long we all for as long as we all have doubt uh, doubt in one of uh, of of the truthfulness of one voice as long as we are separated from that pure acceptance of order god's order we are not going to be immortal we're not going to to be permitted to eat from the tree of knowledge so the the, the second oh, no we will have to we have to uh, wrap up i'm sorry uh, i didn't have a chance to even to talk about to answer other emails i have a couple very good emails i will make an attempt no i that's what i will start next week with i will uh, answer those emails if you have other emails you're welcome to to send them feel if you are listening you're welcome to send me an email uh, peter 18 resnik at gmail.com with your thoughts about what i said uh, i listen to many uh, sources phil i listen to bbc uh, fox news cnn i listen to russian news in, in russian language i listen to israeli news and then i make up my own mind so i wonder where you receive your information and i hope we can have a dialogue okay again thank you very much ladies and gentlemen for being with me today i hope i still have your attention next week tuesday at two o'clock be happy uh, peace to all who want to live in peace Adelante, get up, to the beat, adelante, to the beat, ay, se rumba. Come on, baby, hit it, take it, move it, keep it, move that rumba. I don't wanna do the mambo, salsa, tango, cumbia, ya, 